Welcome to the Eat, Move, Live 52 podcast. I'm Roland, and right here next to me is my co-author and podcasting partner, Galena. Like the name of our show says, we are here to talk about food, nutrition, movement, and exercise, and everything related to you creating a healthy and happy life, all 52 weeks of the year. We've got a great interview today with Sean Stevenson, talking about sleep. Sleep is simultaneously the easiest way to dramatically improve your health and the hardest. Everyone knows they need better sleep, but no one wants to give up all the fun you have when you're not sleeping. We're excited to bring you our fabulous interview with the author of Sleep Smarter, Sean Stevenson. So let's get started. We are so excited to have an incredible guest today. We know you are too, as the questions for him kept pouring on our Facebook group and via email. We invited Sean Stevenson because we know how many of you struggle to create a restorative sleep schedule and turn restful sleep into an easy-to-maintain habit. And we know, we believe he's the perfect guest to inspire you and to give you the tools that you need. I am just in love with his book. I love the journal part. I've talked to you guys so much about it so far, and now you get to hear it from him as well. Roland and I believe that sleep is possibly the most impactful health habit you can focus on because if you don't sleep well, let's face it, nothing is going to go well. We can't create a miraculous real food and movement plan that is going to make up for a lack of sleep. And we're so, so excited that we get to talk about this today. We wrote about sleep in our book. We had our incredible friend researcher Dan Pardee inspire you then, and now you get to hear some very, very, very exciting ways to turn sleep into a restorative habit from Sean. Sean Stevenson is the author of the international best-selling book Sleep Smarter and creator of the Motto Health Show, featured as the number one health podcast on iTunes with over 1 million listener downloads every month. How cool is that? He's a graduate of the University of Missouri, St. Louis. He studied business, then biology and kinesiology, and went on to be the founder of Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, a company that provides wellness services for individuals and organizations all over the world. Sean has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, Fast Company, Men's Health, ESPN, CNN, and many other major media outlets. To learn more about Sean, you can visit themodelhealthshow.com, and we always, as you know, have links in the podcast. It was very cool because I, when I work out at the gym in the morning, there's a whole bunch of TVs and Sean's always there. So I'm like, okay, we're going to get to talk to him. He's on TV right now. I get to talk to him tomorrow. So I feel like I already saw you today, Sean, which is really cool. Welcome. Thanks for coming on and talking sleep with us. We both love your book and we're stoked about your success with it. I'm just so excited and grateful. Thank you so much for that intro. And that's a little fun fact about the TV. I haven't seen myself <laughs> on the TV at the gym yet. <laughs> So that's so cool. I love that. <laughs> You're on like I work out really early in the morning, like between like 530 and seven. And you're always on when I'm there. <laughs> that's bananas. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> that's so fun. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And like like Galena said, we are like sleep is we think the most important and underrated or the most feared thing mm. that most people have i mean if you ask them if they want to if they need to sleep more probably people will kind of cringe and say yes but they're just not willing to so anything we can do to bring awareness to the power of sleep and sort of the the, the yeah it's the power of sleep is, is so much it's so powerful it is so yeah. powerful so sean why do you think just kind of diving right in sure. why do you think that nutrition exercise have gotten so much attention yet sleep mm -hmm. hasn't really made it what gives sure that it's a great question and there's a very simple and precise answer to it so when it comes to exercise and nutrition those things are very proactive right these are things that you're actively doing something so just the just the motion or the the practice of doing a thing we really feel like it's changing things faster you know, because we're conscious or semi-conscious, at least, in taking part in those things. So it just feels like we're doing something. And we've been inundated with this idea that we have to do something in order to get something. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no there's no free lunch. You don't get something for nothing in this reality. And especially today, it's like you need to hustle. you got to be on the grind. You need to work, work, work. And that's how you become successful. And so the whole concept that something where you actually do nothing which is what sleep really is. It's the it's an it's a practice of doing nothing. It's kind of it's really a weird thing because it's kind of pretending to be dead. 
you know, in a weird way. But that practice gives you far more than your exercise and your diet combined. And I have the I have the science to back up what I'm saying. It's a very kind of hardcore statement. But the reality is everything we even do with our with our diet and exercise, those things are exponentially compounded when we get high quality sleep. It, it, it goes both ways also. So it can be exponentially worse or better depending on where you lie on that speak, the, the sleep spectrum. And of course, we'll talk about that and break down some of these components. But to boil it all down, to answer the question, it's simply the idea that you can't get something for nothing. And the fact that we're being proactive with our diet and with our exercise and doing something, it can be difficult for our modern day mind to wrap around the fact that we get so much benefit from actually doing nothing. Yeah. Doing less, right? That whole idea of not do is very difficult for the Western mind. I totally agree. I totally agree. But, you know, um, ancient cultures, you know, cultures that still have some connection connection to their lineage have always known this, you know. And so today what we're doing and what we do with a lot of things, even with diet and exercise, we're just finding scientific method to justify what our ancestors already knew. Yeah, it's kind of strange because... If you think about it, who wouldn't want to do less and get more from it, right? But, you know, you have to really believe that that less is going to give you the benefit that you're looking for. Totally. And to just kind of hone in on this point, I, I like to give like a real visceral example of what that looks like, because especially when you're like, are you going to get more benefit from diet and exercise combined with sleep? How? That doesn't even make any rational sense. Well, uh, there was a study and there's so many. But I really love this study because they actually looked at the impact that sleep deprivation has on body fat All right, in this particular study. And this, was, this was done by the University of Chicago. And so they had the test subjects on a calorie-restricted diet, and which is just kind of common uh, place in what I was even taught in a traditional university setting to help people to lose weight, even though that's not exactly the case either, as we well know. But they had them on a calorie-restricted diet, and they allowed them to get eight and a half hours of sleep. And so during this phase of the study, all of this information was tracked and nothing was changed when they went to another phase of the study, which the only difference, they had them on the same calorie restricted diet, but now they sleep deprived them. They took away three hours of sleep and now they're getting five and a half hours of sleep. And so they compiled all the data. Now, again, they're not exercising more. They're not dieting more. They're simply changing the amount of sleep they're getting. And at the end of the study, they found that when individuals were, were well rested, they were they lost 55 percent more body fat on average simply from sleeping. And those kind of results, to put that in context, you would have to cut calories so sharply. You'd have to work out twice as hard or twice as much to get a 55 percent uptick. Mm -hmm. And that's only temporary because your body cannot uh, sustain that kind of right. uh, beating. You know, right. so all of that benefit by simply getting more sleep. And I, what I want to do, too, is, of course, talk about what's happening behind the scenes to make that possible. Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. OK, sure, sure. All right. <laughs> so I love this part. So sorry, we're all like we're like watching the microphone like, oh, tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what's going on behind the scenes. And this is really what how I approach things. And even with my show and what uh, what I really love to do is because I hear something like that for some people, they're like, why, you know, like um, how just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. But some people really love the what and the why. Right. And so I want to know why things work the way they do. And so one of the big hallmarks is this incredible sleep related hormone called melatonin. And everybody knows about melatonin today. But we related to a sleep, um, this glorified sleep hormone. But it's far more, more, far more than that. And so researchers found that, for example, melatonin is a very powerful anti-cancer hormone as well. And this is why you see with shift work and we see the, the long term nurses study that nurses working shift work or sleep working overnight shift have about a 30 percent greater incidence of breast cancer. And this is because they don't have a, a very clear light and dark cycle. So they're not producing melatonin adequately. And that is, again, a very powerful anti-cancer hormone. Melatonin also plays a role in fat loss. And so the Journal of Pineal Research found that melatonin increases our body's ratio or production of something called brown adipose tissue, right? So brown adipose tissue, or you can call it BAT. So this is a type of fat 
that burns fat. This is a type of fat that burns white adipose tissue or the stuff we generally think about that we're trying to get rid of, you know, kind of the jiggly gooey stuff that we can have on our bodies. And so with brown adipose tissue, the question is, why is it brown? And it's because it's so dense with mitochondria that it makes it brown. And so, as you guys know, I've probably talked about multiple times as well, mitochondria are these kind of energy power plants in our cells that create ATP. They create energy. Mm. And so it's such an energy-dense tissue. And melatonin, if you're getting a dark cycle, because you're only producing melatonin under two conditions, and one of the conditions that have to be met is you have to be exposed to darkness. And when you do that, you increase your body's ratio of brown adipose tissue, thus upregulating your metabolism. So that's one. Number two, human growth hormone. You produce, and this is a cyclical hormone. You produce it throughout the day in small amounts, but you produce the vast majority of human growth hormone while you're asleep. And this is also known as the youth hormone. And kids have a lot of HGH production. That's why they have so much energy and they recover so much faster. And so that's what HGH is really about is recovery. So you can do your training. You can actually recover far faster. So you can do less exercise Get more benefit as your, you know, these micro micro tears in your in your muscle tissue heal faster, but it also gives you more energy, as I mentioned. Uh, it's muscle sparing, so it helps to protect your lean muscle mass, which can be just displaced very quickly because of this third thing that sleep protects against, which is cortisol or elevated cortisol unnaturally. Mm. And so cortisol has this very interesting ability to break down your muscle tissue and turn it into glucose. It's a process called gluconeogenesis. And so this process is is really te- like, te- I'm trying to find the right word. I was going to say terrifying for you <laughs> because of the fact that muscle is your body's fat burning machinery. And so as you lose muscle, your metabolism takes a sharp uh, jump downward and it continues to go downward until you could do something about this. And so the very first thing that we see clinically when somebody's sleep deprived is dysregulation with hormones, mm-hmm. specifically elevated cortisol. And so we don't want that problem. And those are just three things. And actually, let me share one more really quickly, if that's OK. Super mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. And so Stanford University did a study and they found that just a short amount of sleep debt, just 24 hours, is enough to dramatically suppress leptin. And so leptin is your body's satiety hormone. And so that goes hand in hand with you might be trying to diet or try to eat right, but you're sleep deprived and your body, your willpower is going up against your biology, which is compelling you to eat more food, specifically foods that can increase your glucose faster because it's a signal from your body uh, once cortisol is doing its thing that you're in danger and you need more glucose to survive. And so with leptin being suppressed and out doing this job, you're going to be subject to ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, and not really even in control of your thoughts and your uh, decision making skills. You know, your prefrontal cortex, distinguishing between right and wrong, what food you want to eat. So all of the sum it all up, all of those things create this kind of hormonal soup for your good or for your not so good, mm-hmm. depending on whether or not you're honoring your sleep. Yeah, and if you don't intervene with the correct strategies, your sleep is suffering because you're kind of steeping yourself in this hormonal soup that got created by lack of sleep in the first place. So you really have to intervene and use the Sleep Smarter strategies or reach out to a specialist who can help you because what people do is they try to tweak diets or tweak supplements or get a hormone replacement. And then it's just a downward spiral. Mm. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That's so true. I'm so glad you wrapped up with that last one because the whole time I'm going, wow, it's so interesting to hear all of the, the physiological things that are going on behind the scenes because we, Galena and I talk a lot about how the reduced inhibitions and the increased cravings and things like that that come from sleep deprivation and how, like, I think it's a, like, you, you probably know better than I do, but it's, uh, like, if, I think a one hour of not enough sleep, one hour sleep deprivation, they say is equivalent to having like one to two drinks of alcohol as far as reduced inhibitions and when they've done like tests on driving abilities and things like that. So these things really play. So it's really interesting to hear the physiological reasons why some of that 
uh, comes into play. And and I, I think it's normal that people feel crazy on the inside when they haven't slept enough and they feel like they don't have self-control and they don't have their normal emotional regulation. And it's so much easier to reach for a bag of chips when you're sleep deprived uh, versus when you're when you're well rested. And so it's amazing to hear the biology behind it. Oh, yeah. You know what? There's one other thing that was so fascinating to me. And this was a few years ago when I really dove into the research on this. But looking when this is what the great gift that we have today, again, to just affirm what our ancestors knew, but uh, with brain imaging scans and see what's actually happening in, happening in the brain in real time when we're sleep deprived or when we're, when we're well rested. And so uh, UC Berkeley did some brain imaging scans. And when we're talking about this inhibition, we see that just, again, a short sleep debt, just 24 hours we see the prefrontal cortex. So this is part of your brain responsible for decision making, for mm-hmm. social control, for distinguishing between right and wrong. That part of your, for your quote willpower, that part of your brain starts to quote go cold. Mm-hmm. So there's significantly reduced activity in that part of your brain, coupled with what they found was heightened activity in the amygdala. Oh. Right. So the amygdala is more of this kind of um, primitive reptilian part of your brain. But I like to liken it to the part of your brain that's really mostly concerned about preservation of self, right? So this part of your brain is just about taking care of you, uh, keeping you safe, getting your food, getting your energy, getting your shelter, you know, just really trying to uh, make sure that you survive. And we don't want to be operating with that part of our brain running more of our show, because that's going to cause some obviously some conflict in relationships. You know, this whole idea of hangry is something new, being hungry and angry. But I was introducing the concept of being hungry, tired and hungry. Right. <laughs> so you combine those two things together. We can really say things that we don't mean. We could send that email that you shouldn't have sent. <laughs> We're going to make decisions we normally wouldn't make, for example. And you see this you know, across the board. In very basic, simple studies, but when somebody is sleep deprived, they are going to have a heightened attraction and also brain imaging scan to be able to look at this when they show them different images, heightened attractive attraction and spikes in activity in parts of the brain that are drawn and attracted to lower quality food. You know, like you could see a couple of pictures of like some flowers and then like a picture of a, a fruit salad. Then you see a picture of a cheeseburger and the brain is reacting a lot more when it's sleep deprived for lower quality, higher calorie, uh, higher processed foods. All right. So we have the research now to see this stuff conclusively. But the reality is, what are we doing? You know, if we're somebody, we've got a nine to five job and we get up at seven o'clock or whatever to get the kids to school. But then we find ourselves up late at night, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning watching Netflix. And at that time, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning. i I've never heard this before. Tell me if you guys have. Somebody's up at one o'clock in the morning watching The Defenders or whatever Netflix show, House of Cards, and it's one o'clock in the morning, and they're like, "Let me go make some broccoli real quick." Nobody does that. We're gonna go grab some chips or some ice cream or some cookies or you know some snacky, you know those kind of foods. Number one, even if you're on, like you're telling yourself I'm gonna be on this great diet, but your 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 willpower has been reduced. And the glucose reaching your brain is now reduced as well, because that's another thing that research found when we're sleep deprived. Again, a short sleep debt, just 24 hours, about a six percent reduction of glucose even reaching your brain. Yeah. And 14 percent of that is from your prefrontal cortex. So really, that part of your brain starts to starve. Mm-hmm. And so if you've ever even had a cookie in your life, your brain knows it can get a quick source of glucose to try to shuttle that back to your brain as quick as possible. Wow, it's all about operating in this emergency survival mode, and that is so exhausting. It's psycho-emotionally exhausting, it's physiologically exhausting. So, Sean, what do we do to stop that? How can one know, wow, I really have these signs that I'm not getting restorative sleep. I need to act right now. Because if you have a sign that you have like a like a like a torn shoulder labrum or like you have some severe gut issue you're going to go to the doctor but this chronic sleep deprivation it's so sneaky mm-hmm. um and we explain so much of the behaviors around it with 
emotional and psycho-emotional qualities versus the actual biology of what's happening, we've made our stories around it. How do we pull ourselves out of that story grid and say, no, there's an actual biological fact happening? How do people know that they have the symptoms of sleep deprivation? Hmm. Wow. This is really the question I really feel of our of our generation and generations that are just now coming to be because we know we live in a different time. We live in a time where we have perpetual light, where we have perpetual entertainment capacity as well. And so uh, in this conversation about sleep wellness is something that's relatively new as far as mass uh, dissemination of the information. You know, like I've learned from people who've been in this game for a long time. One of my friends, Dr. Michael Bruce, for example, he's known as America, quote, America's sleep doctor. But not many people have been listening to him, even though he's been on Dr. Oz and all that stuff. And so my job is really to make this information more sexy, really, to make it more attractive, to make sleep is something like, I want that, you know, and how do we get people to that place and how do we get them to realize that their issues are related to their sleep wellness? Well, this is really simple uh, again, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Number one is really going back to what I just said is making the information uh, readily available and attractive for people. You know, when you hear about sleep, this is the most unsexy topic that you guys have ever talked about. <laughs> If I wasn't talking about this topic, it might be kind of difficult to stomach and just make people depressed. Like, ah, I know I need to sleep more, you know, but so that's part one. So getting the information into people's hands in a way that makes sense, because when when I was doing clinical work and people were coming in and they're just saying, you know, what can I take to have more energy? Right. That's the question they would pose to me. So they're looking at me like an allopathic physician instead of somebody who's really helping them to be healthy and well in all areas of life. And that's really what I see myself as in my approach to things. So it's not about taking something. It's about let's fix the underlying issue. Like mm -hmm. let's fix what's happening behind the scenes. And you're probably tired because you're sleep deprived. That's the number one reason. It's the number one reason in a whole different ballpark compared to everything else. There might be a nutrient deficiency. There might be some issues with hormones. But the biggest influence is your sleep quality. As far as every hormone you're producing or not producing adequately. And so helping to tie and even one of the first things we talked about today, tying in just how much sleep impacts your body composition and what you see in the mirror. Hmm. The more that we do this and when we talk, you know, I've, I've had incredible conversations with some of the foremost experts in the world in neuroscience and in brain health, like Dr. Daniel Amen, like hmm. uh, Dr. Wendy Suzuki and so if we're speaking that language, you know, for people who are intellectuals or for people who are really dedicated to, um, you know, being more mental laborers or being creatives, that we can get you on a whole nother level with your brain health and protect you from things like Alzheimer's um, by optimizing your sleep. So it's like finding that trigger for each person. That's what it really boils down to, in my opinion. And I feel that that's really what my mission has been. Like, what are all the different angles that we can find with clinically proven methods to help people in a way that they don't have to turn their whole life, life upside down? I think that's the last piece is that when we talk about sleep, we immediately think that I'm going to have to give something up in order to get that. And that is a big mistake in our thinking. And so the more that these so-called experts can help to make this transition in something that is easily easily doable, that is more fun, that's more engaging, that brings some value, some noticeable change and value to their lives. I think that's where the real work is. That's great. You know, what, like, what would you say, like once somebody realizes, you know, I guess I, I guess I really do need to, to get more sleep or get better sleep. Like what are the most powerful ones that you see or like the biggest bang for the buck ones the, or, or the people, the ones that the people are more likely to try and stick mm. with? Okay. Um, so the first thing is and when you ask the question, like, what are the, the big things, you know, and so I like to give low hanging fruits, but I'm just going to go right to uh, experiencing myself personally and then seeing this across the board with with the patients I've worked with, with, you know, all the different messages. You know, right now we've reached, you know, a couple million people at this point uh, with this information. But we talked we talked briefly about this earlier and the impact that it has on melatonin. 
And so the big thing right off the gate would be to get a normal light and dark cycle or more normal, a little bit closer to normal. All right. It's not about being perfect because real talk, we're not going to throw our iPhones in the trash, you know, and I don't advocate that. All right? I love my iPhone. However, to have a better relationship with our devices. And so having a true light and dark cycle. So if we're not getting a true dark cycle, we're not enabling our body to produce melatonin in an optimal way. And now, what does that mean? Well, melatonin, to give a kind of rudimentary example of how it works, what we need to do, it's not necessarily to sleep more, it's to sleep better. And that really boils down to efficiency in our sleep cycles. So at no point will you ever hear me say, you need to get eight hours of sleep. That's negligent and that's too cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. You need to get the right amount of sleep for you. And that could be different next month, right? Mm -hmm. And so what does that boil down to? Helping our body to have efficient sleep cycles. So there are four basic stages of sleep and the two predominant ones that people know about, and there's some transitionary ones, but it's REM sleep and non-REM sleep. And so REM sleep, this is where, this is rapid eye movement. This is where dreaming is taking place, uh, the, the bulk of it. But this is also where something called memory processing happens. And this is where what you're learning even right now is getting converted to your short-term memory. This is why people, when they have uh, something like uh, you know, a hangover or something like that. And they might not remember what happened when they drank so much the night before. And that's because alcohol close to sleep can radically disturb your REM sleep and your ability to process memories. And so what we're looking at here with those different sleep cycles and to bring this all back to the point of melatonin, melatonin helps your body to shift those different brain waves, those different stages of sleep, which is right now we're in beta. This is a general waking state is beta. We're all walking around in basically a beta mental state. Sometimes we could drift into alpha. Sometimes we could drift into gamma, right? This is this new super level. And so, but beta, then we go to alpha and then we go to theta and then delta. And we cycle back and forth through those, creating our sleep structure, our overall sleep cycle. And so melatonin helps your body to efficiently and effectively and gracefully transition in and out of those sleep cycles so it's kind of it's kind of like a, the the transmission like it's a manual transmission and instead of having a nice comfortable ergonomic grip grip on that it's like a a, a, a set of pliers sticking out of it <laughs> right with, with maybe with a knife on the end of it and you're trying to shift gears through your sleep with that when you're sleep deprived and so how do we do this very simple. And this is one of the practices I talked about earlier. How do we make this work? We do something where you don't have to change what you're already doing. And so whatever sleep you are getting, we can make it better by making your room darker. That's the number one thing. And again, you don't have to change your life upside down. You can just go to uh, Amazon right now. Get yourself some blackout curtains. Of course, measure whatever, figure out what that looks like for your for your bedroom. But get your room as dark as you can. If specifically you live in an area where you have artificial light coming into your room, so this could be cars that are coming up and down the street, this could be neighbor's porch light, this could be LED street lights outside, whatever it is, that artificial light we're now dubbing as light pollution. So it's not natural light like moonlight. Right. That's not what we're talking about. Humans have evolved with that. Mm -hmm. We're talking about artificial light. And so to give people why this matters so much, Cornell University did a study and they took the test subject and they had them to sleep in an otherwise dark room. So the room is totally dark and they took a fiber optic cable and a light the size of just a quarter and they put it behind the test subject knee, this test subject's knee. And that light shining on the back of their knee was enough to disrupt their sleep cycle. It was enough to disrupt the efficiency in the sleep cycle, what I was talking about earlier. How in the world can a light shining on your leg do that. Right. And it's because. So, right. So this, you know, we can get an eye mask. That's cool. But your skin has photoreceptors that pick up light and it sends information to all the various organs and organ systems in your body. And it can confuse that circadian timing system. And so your body's like, I don't know. Is it is it dawn? Is it like, you know, it's trying to figure this out and it's not going to produce adequate melatonin. It's going to produce not produce the right amount of cortisol or human growth hormone or leptin or any of the things we talked about. And then we can get into adrenaline and noradrenaline 
and we can get into serotonin. There's all these different factors, you know, we can go on and on about. But the bottom line is get yourself some blackout curtains to to eliminate the external artificial light and preferably do the same thing for the stuff in your bedroom as well. If you've got that angry alarm clock that's shooting out light. All right. And so, by the way, red and Harvard researchers confirmed this. The white and blue letters, I mean, I'm sorry, white and blue numbers coming from our alarm clocks are more disruptive than the red. Mm-hmm. All right. Even though I'd want something with a full dimmer shut off or maybe just throw a towel on top of it. Right. Or whatever. So those are some strategies right off the bat to help to immediately improve your sleep quality is to get your room nice and dark if you have external and internal artificial light pollution coming into your room. Well, you know, we have blackout curtains, and uh, it's really helped a lot. It makes the room quite a bit darker, and it also makes – we have some traffic noise near us, and they're thick enough where they've actually decreased mm-hmm. the amount of road noise. So that's an extra benefit. And I think people, when they imagine blackout curtains, they mm-hmm. imagine these ones from, like, World War One. And like where you're, <laughs> you know, where they're, you're taping stuff to your windows, you're doing all sorts of things and it looks really ugly. They look, they're just like beautiful, normal curtains, but they have a liner that makes them light proof. So yeah, they, look, they actually, look great. A lot of great hotels. This is why people, you know, some people report sleeping better when they're on the road than when they're at home. You know, um, a lot of great, great hotels have blackout curtains. And so sometimes that's the only time people sleep in darkness is when they're at a, a hotel while they're on the road, you know? And so also some people might question, well, what about when the sun comes up? How are you going to know, you know, with your, you know, with your body clock? Well, number one, obviously you can use an alarm to, to get you up, but if you wanted to have a, a more of a natural transition, there are actually alarm clocks that can gradually increase the light in your room. And um, you can also get curtains that are on a timer too. You know, if you want to get really, really fancy, which you know, that's not something I do personally, but there are different ways that you can hack this. So we're starting with low hanging fruit, blackout curtains, get artificial light out of your room. And that's going to help a lot. But also, guys, on the other side of this equation and talking about how do we reverse this? Are you getting enough natural light during the day? And why does this matter? Innovations in clinical neuroscience did a study and they found that when individuals are getting natural sun exposure, and this is right around the hours of of, um, of, of 8 a.m. And just, of course, it's going to depend on your time zone. But that time of day, getting some natural sun exposure actually helps to lower your cortisol at night. So by getting sun exposure during the day, it's going to help to drop your cortisol level in the evening. And this is very important because this is helping to do what we call a cortisol reset. And so for many people that will come in, we call them clinically tired and wired where they are tired, extremely tired when they get up in the morning. It's hard to get out of bed because their cortisol is too low. But in the evening, when they're just, because in the morning, they're like, oh, I'm going to get to bed early tonight. And fast forward, you know, 10 o'clock p.m., 11 o'clock p.m., they're just wired. They're up and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. It's because the cortisol is too high. And so something is simple and natural. This is what we're missing. We're, today, we're far more, intellectual or knowledge workers, less labor workers, and we're much more likely to be working indoors, whether you're an entrepreneur working from home or whether you're working in an office building. And so I actually shared some research in Sleep Smarter and studies done on office workers and finding overall um, individuals who are not exposed to natural window light coming through even windows, just even into the workspace, on average have one less hour of sleep, full hour of sleep per night. And have less efficient sleep cycles as well and tend to report more aches and pains and depression. All right. We as humans should not be in those conditions, period. But if you are right now, this doesn't mean you go and you like you throw the podcast in your boss's face. Did you listen to this? (laughs) We don't want to do that. We can just take it upon ourselves on our lunch break to go and maybe, you know, go outside and sit to eat lunch. Take a couple breaks during the day on your breaks and go for a walk or have walking meetings or there are actually some devices, you know, even for mm-hmm. a seasonal affective disorder, mm-hmm. that light, uh, light boxes. They're clinically proven to work. Um, so there's that. There's um, a bunch of different devices for light. And I'll be talking about that on my show coming up. There's so many. Oh, very cool. We'll, we'll link that up and we'll put that in the show notes so people can keep an eye on that. 
Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think it would be a really great resource. For and people. we have a bunch of those. Um, when we published our book, we wanted to create just like kind of like you have like resources that go with the book. And so with the sleep chapter one, we have our favorite light device. Uh, we love it because I get up really early in the morning to do my my morning meditation. And in winter, it's like dark at five in the morning. And yeah. so having the blue light has been incredible. I'm so sensitive. So it's really, you know, in the beginning, I overdosed. I'm one of those people mm -hmm. where, like, when you give me a homework, you have to give me, like, a quarter of what I need to do because I'm going to do it a lot. And so uh, it was right around Christmas when we got our blue light a few years ago. And so I'm off work for a few days, and I'm just getting this road rage. I'm like, what is <laughs> happening? I'm, like, raging against all these cars. And I was like, oh, I'm might want to read a little bit about blue light and maybe I'm overdosing a little bit. It was crazy how sensitive we we are to that. And I know people are thinking, if you can get road rage <laughs> as sweet as you are, yeah. everybody can, you know. And so, so it's just, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, again, tied to our emotions. It's tied to our yeah. emotional stability and getting sun exposure. One other point that I didn't mention is that this directly increases our production of serotonin simply getting sun exposure right. on our skin these are all signs that this is something that our genes expect us to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we've allowed for our, ourselves unconsciously to be cooped up indoors all day and, and, and so the more that we can get a natural cycle of, of light and darkness is going to help to improve this whole equation i really want to encourage everyone to really take this one to heart and give yourselves permission to leave your workspace because all of you have this desire to be better and i'm just speaking to our listeners here and you want to do more indoors like what can i do like can i do like movement breaks or can i do breathing exercises but you guys you think about doing them indoors but go outside and do those same things your five minute movement break that we teach or your breathing break or your meditation break do that outside a minute two minutes it makes a huge difference yeah. Go to that, that place where everyone used to smoke. Now you can uh, <laughs> use this to do your stretching or uh, to look off in the distance or do whatever, like some of the things we talk about. Uh, one of the things that, like you mentioned, all of these hormones, and these are hormones that we all hear so much about, leptin, cortisol, serotonin, melatonin. And everyone, this, these are areas, these are things that people are asking us, like, how do I like take a supplement to do to increase this or to decrease that or to time this or to time that? And I think the power here is that sleep and the and sort of uh, getting your, your circadian rhythms back on track does so much more to optimize these hormones than you could ever do by, by popping a pill or sticking something under your tongue or eating the right foods. You have to do, I mean, obviously you have to keep your diet in order, but the power of sleep and your circadian rhythms is so much more important when it comes to, uh, to fine tuning your hormones, getting them back on track. I mean, that's really the, where the, where the whole show is at, you know, how we feel is really all about our hormones and how we look is really all about our hormones it's really the big uh, governing force behind the scenes. You know, this is uh, and just to make this simple for everybody too. you know, when we hear the word hormones, like what does that even mean? These are basically these tiny little biochemical messengers that help to relay information to each and every cell in your body. And so for us all understanding that we are community and I'm not talking about the human community, I'm talking about inside of our bodies. We have upwards of 50 to 100 trillion little citizens that make up you. And so the communication between those citizens and everybody being on one accord is how we experience health. And if there's disruption in that community, you know, like we've got some disruption over in this area with this organ or this particular uh, problem with the immune system and cancer cells uh, running wild, we can fall into some pretty significant issues. And it really, again, boils down to are the cells communicating with each other? Because your cells know what to do. But if that it's kind of like a game of telephone when you're a kid. And if that message that's intended isn't the one that's communicated, you can get a whole different outcome. Mm. And so the more that we can do to help our body to do what it already knows how to do and to optimize our hormones, the better.
And that's really what this whole process is about with with Sleep Smarter and with helping people to have this information in their hands. That's fantastic. Can you speak a little bit about and I I would love for each one of our listeners to get your book and to use the journal and the 14 day plan. But can you talk a little bit about the ways that those people who are tired and wired, twired kind of at night, mm-hmm. how can they start to kind of re- down regulate towards sleep as soon as they get off work? Because if you're already tired and wired at 1130 at night, there's not much you can do between 11 and 30 and one. But maybe if you start doing something around seven maybe there's hope that you can kind of down-regulate enough that you can be um, in a suitable state for sleep. Mm, yes. Uh, so I think that this really, and this is what one of our issues can be, is we'll jump right to, you know, if somebody has an issue with uh, thyroid-stimulating hormone, mm-hmm. or they might have issues with the free T, T4 or whatever, or T3, whatever it might be, or even... Um, uh, if we're looking at something like what's happening with the pituitary gland, like we'll start to target things like mm-hmm. we have this issue. So it must be the pituitary. Yeah. We have this issue. So it must be the thyroid and not understanding that the whole system doesn't operate in a vacuum like everything is connected. So mm-hmm. what's the root? This could be something that's downstream or upstream, mm-hmm. you know, with the hypothalamus. It could be something with the adrenals, whatever the case might be. We can't just target that thing. And so. So what I would recommend people to understand is, first and foremost, a great night of sleep and being able to downregulate later starts in the morning. All right? A great night of sleep starts when you wake up in the morning. And what that means is we already talked about how do we reset cortisol? How do we get people with the tired and wired condition to be able to sleep better at night? One of those ways is getting sun exposure. We talked about this. That will lower your cortisol at night if you get sun exposure during the day. Then another thing is what you guys mentioned already is movement practice and having a little bit of specifically something that is a little bit more of a stimulation or or a little shot of intense exercise if we can early in the morning. Because what that does is it elevates cortisol and that might sound like it's a bad thing, but cortisol is not bad. It's just when it's produced at the wrong time and in the wrong amount. You know, it's getting all of this bad press. Cortisol is actually really important. Cortisol, when I was talking about earlier about T3 and T4 and all this, that jumped into my head because you need cortisol for your thyroid to work to work properly. All right. So all of this stuff matters. And getting exercise, specifically, uh, Appalachian State University did a, did a study to find out how does exercise timing affect our sleep. And so to make just to get to the point, they had exercisers training three times exclusively at 7 a.m for one phase of the study, at 1 p.m. in the afternoon for another phase, and 7 p.m. at night for another phase. At the end of the study, they found that when individuals worked out in the morning, they had far more efficient sleep cycles. That's what we want. We don't want, it's not about sleeping more, it's having more efficient sleep. They had more time in the deepest, most anabolic stages of sleep, so they're producing the most human growth hormone. They tended to sleep longer when they exercise in the morning, And they had a 25% greater drop in blood pressure at night, which is correlated with the deactivation of that fight or flight system Hmm. by exercising in the morning. Now, does this mean you can't exercise at another time? No. But doing that morning exercise, and I did an experiment for an entire year before this book came, before Sleep Smarter came out, to test this because I've been a morning exerciser for a long time. But I exercise in the afternoon, like around 4 or 5 o'clock. And... But in the morning, I still did five minutes of exercise every day and everything still improved. Mm -hmm. Now, why do we want to do this? This is getting a it's called a cortisol reset. I mentioned this earlier. Your cortisol, you have something called a cortisol rhythm and all of us have this and it's a clock. It's timed up with all of nature and when your body's going to secrete cortisol and when it's going to reduce. And so between the hours of 6 a.m. and 8 a.m., your cortisol should be a peak, be at its peak, and then gradually decline as the day goes on. So exercising in the morning for just even five minutes can help to get that spike so it can start to reset itself and bottom out in the evening. All right, so what does that look like? This can be a four-minute Tabata and then maybe a minute of stretching. This could be uh, going for a little brisk jog around the block. This could be jumping on a rebounder. You know, if somebody's, you know, they're dealing with, 
joint issues or whatever, get yourself a rebounder, which is a mini trampoline. Uh, it's a fantastic form of exercise and do some jumping on that. Uh, this could be, you know, you do some body weight exercises, you know, some, uh, you know, some body weight squats and do a few sets of that. Uh, this could be, you know, doing like a power, more of an intense kind of power yoga s- session for, you know, five, 10 minutes. Um, there's a lot of different things that you can play with. If you dance, just turn on some music and dance mm-hmm. in your in your kitchen, whatever, like whatever it is for you. Get your heart rate up to help to reset that cortisol rhythm. That's really what we want to do. Set ourselves up for better sleep at night by getting some of these great and powerful clinically proven strategies in during the morning. And next, we can, of course, talk about how do we specifically downregulate at night. Very cool. Very cool. That's so important, Sean, because, you know, people are asking us, you know, I'm in bed and I'm tossing and turning. What kind of a meditation can I do in bed while I'm tossing and turning? And I'm like, well, it's kind of a little bit late for that. Go back in time. Go back in time (laughs) to the morning and, you know, you know, drink a glass of water and go outside immediately and walk fast around your neighborhood. I mean, think about how you're going to do that tomorrow morning if you do fall asleep. But, you know, we all want to fix for the problem that we can define. And right. if people don't realize that they're not defining the right challenge, they, they can't solve it. So I'm so grateful that you're bringing this up, that good sleep starts starts in the morning. Thank you so much for that. And then at night, you know, we can do all of our lowering the lights and, you know, making mm-hmm. sure we stay away from blue light and uh, getting the sexy orange glasses cool, on. orange glasses. Yes. We, can, <laughs> can do, we can do all of that. And I just visited, um, when I was back home in Europe, visited a friend and they had just remodeled their house. And they asked the electricians to install, instead of blue light, to install more amber-colored lights. And the electricians didn't quite get it. So now their whole house has yellow light. It's like yellow. Mm. <laughs> it's like, like you went to the party store and bought yellow yeah, lights. Yeah, it's like everyone looks <laughs> like they have they have jaundice. And so now, <laughs> and so now they're working on, on actually getting the right lights in. But what a great thing to start preparing your home for for the ability to dim the lights at night and have that amber amber spectrum. It's fantastic. Yes. This is what this is on the other end of the spectrum, like we're talking about, because you can do the stuff we talked about to set yourself up for great sleep in the morning. But then if you're on your computer, you know, working or, you know, browsing the internet, whatever the case might be, you know, at nine, ten, eleven o'clock at night, you're definitely going to kind of counteract all the good stuff you might have did done during the morning. So because there's some people listening probably like, oh, I exercise in the morning but my sleep is still crummy, yeah. you know? And so we, this is called stacking conditions. And so this involves a better relationship with our devices because in no way am I saying don't watch Game of Thrones, all right? Because <laughs> there's really just two kinds of people. There's those who watch Game of Thrones and those who do not. And so with that said, how can we do this in a more advantageous way? Well, number one, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, Harvard researchers have confirmed that it's not just the fact that we're getting exposure to artificial light the color of that light matters a lot. And so what they discovered was that blue light specifically that emanates from our device. And some people might think like you're looking at your device at night, you don't see blue light, you see all these colors. But if you were to be in a completely dark room looking at your device and somebody looks at you or you look at somebody, you see this glow, like this bluish whitish glow Mm -hmm. on people on their face when they're looking at their screen. And so that is the strongest light. And it's most correlated with uh, daytime, as far as your body's uh, uh, photo sensors are concerned. And so what that does is, and here's what they found, is that blue light exposure at night elevates cortisol and suppresses melatonin. So much so that every hour that you're on your device at night, you suppress melatonin for additional 30 minutes. Wow. All right. So what that means is. If you're on your device, just say you're on your device from 9 to 11, that's two hours. Even though you go to bed at 11.15, melatonin is not being produced or adequately produced for about an hour after you go to bed. So that means you can be unconscious, but your body isn't going through that manual shift efficiently. All right. It might be stalling out at some points. You know, it might be that that's what I'm talking about is, again, it's not about trying to sleep more. It's sleeping better. And so what do we do? Well, what they discovered was that that exposure blue light, it's negligible during the day. So that's not an that's not an influence on our sleep, according to the study I'm talking about. 
So what they found was that the color matters and red light specifically was negligible in its impact on elevating cortisol or depressing melatonin. And so the reddish orangish hue, if you look at evolution, if we did have light at night, it was the color of fire. Mm. All right. And so we're we're used to that or our genes have evolved with that to enough degree that we don't get these really haywire signals. And so what we need to do um, outside of getting off our device for a little while before bed is use some apps that block out these lights. So on your iPhones, everybody already has night shift now. It's built into all the tools. It's, it's a tool that's built in all the phones now, uh, as well as iPads. For your desktop and laptop, there's Flux. So you just go to Google, type in F.L.U.X., and you do a couple of clicks, and that will put the tool on your computer that automatically pulls out the most sleep-damaging spectrum of light from your screen automatically, depending on your time zone. And it's easy to deactivate, by the way. It's brand new, but Windows 10 also has it built in now, like the latest update. So now when it when it launches, it actually asks you the first time after you do the update, it asks you if you want to enable night mode. And uh, mm-hmm. lets you tell it, do you want to do it by dawn, your local dawn and dusk times, and it changes it automatically. It's pretty slick. Why would multi-billion-dollar companies do this, right? They know that this is the wave of the future because we're not going to slow down in our yeah. tech, in our relationships with our tech. So how can we make this healthier? Because I feel it's sort of like the McDonald's argument, where McDonald's was starting to be sued for all the damage it was doing to people. Mm. Even though it's like, well, you chose to use it. You chose to eat it. So they're protecting themselves proactively like, hey, there are all these studies showing that sleep deprivation is caused by our devices, thus leading to diabetes, thus leading to cancer, thus leading to heart disease. And all of those studies, everything that I just said, they're all cited in in my book related to all of those things. And so it's a little bit of insurance because, again, and again, Microsoft and then we've got Androids. I don't want to leave people with Androids out. Uh, we have uh, Twilight is an app you can get if you if you're rocking the Android. Uh, so there are options for everybody. But what about our TVs, televisions? Now they're starting to have options for that as well to have a night mode. Um, but also, uh, you guys mentioned there's blue light blocking glasses that you can wear if you really want to get geeked out with this. And there are some attractive ones, and there are some <laughs> not so attractive ones. And I've been the whole spectrum, the whole gamut. And so that's another option. And for me, it's just something I do. You know, when the sun goes down, those shades come on for me, you know, and still like I could stay up a little while and, you know, put my son to bed and watch a show with my wife or if I'm doing work a little bit later, that kind of thing. But the very best thing that we can do and you guys can put this in the show notes is to have a a very smart and something that brings you joy evening routine. Mm. And I did a whole episode of my show dedicated to that giving some tools and strategies and i think it's 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 the number one most downloaded episode so we've had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people download that episode and it's something that we get messages about every day as well because these small things somebody might not have ever even thought of instantly improve their sleep quality so is if you can start to create a little evening routine for yourself that involves maybe you get off your device and maybe instead you talk to a person like a live human being, you know, I know it sounds crazy, but maybe you could talk to your spouse. You could talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend, your mother, your father, your kids, instead of being on Facebook or Instagram, you know, just for maybe 30 minutes before you go to bed, instead of being on your device and just kind of like, I really should get off of this and get to bed. Um, you can, this is a optimal time for many people. This is, you could have sex at this point and hopefully that's more entertaining than hang Instagram. On, hang on, I'm writing this down. Sure. <laughs> You're welcome. Hashtag you're welcome. But and also in Sleep Smarter, I did a chapter dedicated to the impact that sleep has on our sex life and and vice versa, how our sex life impacts our sleep. And so uh, with orgasm, for example, you produce a chemical cocktail of hormones, many of them related to relaxation and sleep, prolactin, oxytocin. So one of the things with oxytocin was so fascinating is that it's been found to counteract the effects of cortisol. So having that in your toolkit, you know, is something that, you know, this is a natural uh, human inclination that can get blocked because of our addiction to our social media. 
And so as we can come become aware of our addiction, we can start to implant things. And here's the key, guys, to kind of summarize this whole thing. Don't try and just get off your device and sit there and twiddle your thumbs because, you know, you heard all of this valuable information that this will help you to sleep better. You have to replace it with something that brings you happiness and joy. You know, you can't just plug in, you know, take out that and then plug in something that you can't stand. If you don't like reading physical books, don't do that. You know, find something that really lights you up. So it might be even listening to a, a podcast, you know, before you go to bed. That's a great way to get off your device and allow your brain like the more analytical part of your brain. Maybe it's like a story podcast or maybe it's an audio book or maybe it is a physical book that helps to deactivate the more analytical part of your brain and open up the more uh, creative and the more um, the more enlightened kind of area of your brain that helps to really uh, allow for you to have a good transition to getting better sleep. I hope that makes sense for everybody. But to summarize this, I'm sorry, to summarize this, um, I used to think, and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, I'd love to hear your perspective, but I used to think that reading fiction was just not productive, you know, and it was something that I just, for years, I was just like, why would I do that? I'd rather read, you know, a nutrition book or a book on you know, um, in, in marketing and how do I get this information to more people, that kind of thing. But when I started to read fiction again, it, it opened up other di- dimensions and areas of my life. Um, and there's research backing this up that it literally changes your brain and make, it can increase your creativity. And what it does for your sleep is really profound because, again, it helps it slow down that part of your brain that you're like, you want to go to bed. Your bed is this magical place that you go. That you, for some people, they go to bed and they start remembering everything they're supposed to do, right? And that's not what your bed is for. How do we turn that analytical part of your brain off is allowing your brain to go to another world. Kids will love that. Mm-hmm. And we're just big adult babies. Mm-hmm. We still like a good story before bed. So this is another tool that we can use to transition instead of just being on our devices. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, you know, you, you've a couple of times you've mentioned kids, putting your own kids to bed, bedtime stories and things like that. As the last question, like, what do you, I mean, you're a father, what do you do and what can other people do to really instill upon kids, probably subconsciously, that um, sleep is important, get them used to good sleep habits and, you know, support them in this modern day environment that, you know, they're growing up in? That's a great question. And I've got uh, multiple perspectives on this. I have three kids. Two of them are older. Uh, My two boys, my two youngest are living still here in my house. My oldest son is 16 and my youngest son is five. And so they live here still. And and then my daughter is the oldest. And so I went through the process of figuring this stuff out as I was figuring out my my own health and well-being earlier on with my older two kids. So I've got the perspective of how do we do this from the start and how do we do this after we might have messed some things up? All right. So the best way is creating a culture from the beginning. And this takes for us to be conscious parents. And so for my five year old son, we've never had issues with him sleeping. Never. Now, when I say that, that comes in parentheses, (laughs) except maybe, you know, a handful of times I can count on my fingers when he might call, you know, uh, during the night. And this is because we came into it with the decision. Like there's so many different strategies with, you know, co-sleeping or, you know, just kind of the um, the whole cry it out paradigm. I'm not saying where you should lie on that spectrum. I'm saying you need to decide what works best for you and what's going to work best for your relationship with your child. And all of these have spots in them for us to be to improve. And so to give a, a, a real moniker of something people could take away with our kids in creating the culture, number one, we need to be good sleepers ourselves, all right? So paying attention to that, making sure it matters, having a sleep routine for us. And with the kids, it's creating a routine for them. Their brain is looking for consistency. The biggest belief that we have to change when it comes to our kids in sleep is the fact that they actually want to sleep too. And for many of us, we feel that they are against us. They're little sleep ninjas and they are their whole process in practice is for them, them to like ninja kick ninja kick our sleep right in the face and cause problems for us. You know, and it's just simply not the case. Kids want to sleep too. Their genes expect them to sleep. 
And it's just for us creating the conditions mm. and the neural associations for them to naturally transition into that process. And so this could be simple things that we've all heard before. And I've been doing this with my son. Well, just recently, about a year ago, we stopped this one pr- pr- part, which was even when he was like six weeks old, we were playing a certain music every night for him to go to sleep. And then within minutes, he is asleep and he created that neuro association. Mm. And again, there's been a handful of times when he might call us or wake up, but it's rare that mm. that's in the minority. And so. Uh, playing a certain type of music, maybe the the evening routine is, you know, they get the wash up or at the bath, you know, brushing their teeth, um, maybe maybe reading a story. So even when he was a baby and we were I was sitting there reading him a little book, you know, and so just creating that. And here's the key for for the parents. We have to be consistent. We have to do it no matter what, because usually it's us. It's like, oh, I just lay him down, you know, like I know he's tired, whatever. So I will still do the process. You know, and it hasn't been 100 percent, you know, sometimes, you know, like if we're traveling or that kind of thing, you know, we're just getting back and it's late. I might just lay him down. But generally, I still like, OK, I know you're tired, buddy. We're going to go brush your teeth. I'm going to read a super short book to you, like Winnie the Pooh, um, you know, uh, uh, early to rise, you know, whatever it is. But I'll still do that practice, tuck them in, you know, and so create that neuro association for the child. Be consistent with it. And the last point. When it comes to uh, our older kids and kind of changing the culture once they've been haywire with it because you've been haywire with it, is you have to tie it to something that they want. And so for my older son, he's all about performing in his sport, right? And so I found creative ways to tie in his sleep health to his performance. And he saw the results himself. That was the key. So I got him to to buy in a little bit. Then he got to see the result of him not sleeping properly. You know, maybe it's, you know, he goes over to whatever his his cousin's house or whatever. And then he has practice the next day and then he's he doesn't feel as well. He's tired like he he got to see it. And so that's what we need to do, uh, especially if, you know, if it's been a bumpy ride and we haven't realized this stuff ourselves and we want to help our kids to sleep better. Try and tie it to something that they love or that they want. So they can get some more buy-in and uh, get some more reward association with sleep. That's, I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And for all you listeners, I want to encourage you, just like with anything that we set up in the home environment, kids learn by example. So the more consistent you are and the more congruency there is between what you tell them and what you do, the more they're learning from you. The way you sit, the way you walk, the way you eat, the way you settle for bed, the way you handle your emotions, all of that, kids will soak that all the up. The way you talk about your the day you just had. Yep. You know, like, you, I mean, there's all sorts of things. Like, my, my son probably doesn't know that I walked for lunch or that, you know, <laughs> we got up early because he's still asleep. But, um, yeah, but you can talk about these things and set an example in so many ways. And I work a lot with families, those of you who are local here in Orange County and and come to my practice, to my studio. Whenever you bring me your kids, I work with you because kids learn from you. And I refuse to work with a kid if I don't work with the parents. And we need to bring that into the culture. And it's really empowering because you have a lot more leverage when you act in ways that you want for your kids versus just telling them. So thank you, Sean. Thank you for encouraging that and for reiterating that. What we're already has been our message for such a long time. We love it. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on to talk about it. Thank you so and much. Thanks for such a wonderful book. It's great. Like we said earlier, we you know we wrote a book with 52 little things, easy ways to get started on things, and we just love. Get, we're not the experts in all these things, and we just love bringing in the experts who are influential. And then, because we have readers that want to know the next, oh, we love that chapter. What can we do next? And we're like, here's the, here's the Sleep Smarter. You know, it's an amazing oh. book, and it's going to take your uh, your life to the next level. So thank you so much. Thank you so oh, much. That means everything. I truly, truly appreciate that. And um, I just got a notice today that uh, I'm signing the contract. Should I say, it just came in. Uh, for its translation in in Russia. Oh my God! And yeah, it's so amazing. So I think this might be our fifteenth country, maybe. Congratulations! Um, but it's just really, it's a conversation that needs to be had, and also bringing the the entertainment factor and bringing the fun and bringing the 
clinically proven strategies like what can again we talked about a lot of stuff today but some things are easy to implement some things take a little bit more work but um you know and people can find the book anywhere that they uh buy books you know barnes and noble amazon all that good stuff but also at sleepsmarterbook.com and i don't talk about this enough my wife yells at me because it's just like <laughs> i did so much work to do this and i just forget to tell people but uh we did a chapter every single chapter in the book i did a video that goes along with it uh, that you can get at sleepsmarterbook.com when you get, get the book from there. And of course, you know, and you guys will link everything up, but um, people, we talk about all of these things in depth. Like we might just take the subject of sleep and fat loss and do a masterclass on that on my show or sleep and sex and how that all connects or how does it relate to diabetes. And so people can check me out there that the way that they found this amazing podcast, they can look me up. It's called The Model Health Show. Or everything that we talked about in my social media is at themodelhealthshow.com as well as the show. And again, thank you guys so much for having me on. So awesome. Thank you for coming on. We so appreciate you. And you guys, all of this will be linked in the The podcast page and the show notes so you can easily get to all the awesome places. And I encourage you to just act because it's it's in your hands. Choice is in your hands and it can be done. It's not overwhelming. You're going to feel so much better that you're going to write us and say, thank you so much for bringing Sean on. I promise you. (laughs) Thanks, Sean, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thanks to Sean Stevenson for joining us today, and a big thanks to you for listening. Sean's book has some amazing and simple tips to help you sleep smarter. Want to dim the lights tonight to set the stage for better sleep, or spend 30 minutes outside to get your circadian rhythms dialed in. Pick up Sean's book today, and you'll be sleeping smarter in no time. If you like today's show and want more episodes like it, you can help us by rating and reviewing the show wherever you subscribe. That means iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or in the podcast app on your phone. Do you know somebody who can benefit from today's episode? Share it right now from the show notes, which you can always find at eatmovelive52.com slash notes. And that funk that's playing behind me, it's called Proto Funk by Kevin McLeod. Thanks and talk to you soon. Thank you.